So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. This is the whole conversation that we're having right now. No, I know. So let's just shut up. Let's just shut up. Let's go. Just shut, shut up. up. Let's start this baby. Oh. Now, I'm warning you, I have a cat. Um, it's uh, He's... Well, do that in the introduction. Okay. Shut up. See, you shut up. Shut up. Everyone shut, shut up. up. Shut up. Let's just do the show. God. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 61. Fallout over Hawaii. Missile Falls Alarm. With Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, Episode 61. My name is Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And we are joined today by a returning guest. He hasn't been with us for a while. It is Mr. Paul Ducklin, also known as Duck from Sophos. Hi, Duck. Hello, chaps. Hi. I said that very forcefully, just because I couldn't think of a better way to say it. Do you know, Duck, I think that you have been the guest that has returned most out of all guests that we've had on the show. I think this may be his sixth time on the show, something it's like that. It's great. I was going to offer my own opinion, but I'll take yours. <laughs> Actually, I think we have now relegated Vanish Schweitzer to guest status on the webpage rather uh, than co-host. That's so, good company, good duck. That's good company. It is. Well, he is quite a cool cat. That would be cool. Oh, sorry. I've just got a text message. Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. Sorry, I better deal with this. Let's deal with it after the break. Smashing Security is supported by CloudBerry. Now listen to this. With CloudBerry, you can back up files, folders, and system images to the cloud storage of your choice with built-in 256-bit encryption, ensuring your precious data remains private. CloudBerry supports over 30 cloud storage providers working on Windows, Macs, and Linux. Plus, no subscription. You pay only once. So download a free trial at cloudberrylab.com. But there's more. You could also go to Smashing Security security.com forward slash cloudberry lab to get a whopping 30% off the windows desktop version that goes for about 20 bucks boom this episode of smashing security is sponsored by LastPass. LastPass simplifies password management for companies of every size but it isn't just for enterprises it's equally a great solution for business teams families and single users learn more at smashingsecurity.com forward slash LastPass. on with the show 
and welcome back. Well, last Saturday in Hawaii, just after eight o'clock in the morning, local time, people were woken up by a message bleeping on their phones saying ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. And similar warnings, of course, automatically appeared on TV screens and on radio stations. Now, I don't know about you chaps, but if you saw a message like that, well, and, and of course, if you're in Hawaii, um, what would your reaction be like? I don't think I would believe it for a long time. No, I wouldn't either. I w- no, I would be like, oh, it's going to be a hoax. Um, and then I'd panic. Well, I just think it was like those those traffic signs that get, you know, zombie apocalypse coming <laughs> that someone's hacked it, obviously. That's what I would assume. But maybe in Hawaii, you're brought up to learn about these missiles and the missile threat. Maybe it's something to do with their location or something. Yeah. Well, I think I think we may have forgotten what it was like to be in the middle of the Cold War. I mean, I'm I'm of an age... Graham fought at the Bay of Pigs, man. <laughs> Maybe not Bay of Pigs. Can you imagine? But, but certainly in the early 1980s. No, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> Sorry. With his little spectacles. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. But certainly in the 1980s, um, you know, there, there would be little public information films on the television and there were uh, warnings about what to do. You got leaflets through the door as to, you know. Really? Yes, yes, absolutely. About hiding under the stairs and painting yourself with white paint and things to reflect the the nuclear oh, blast. You're, you're bringing me. Yes, I remember. Are you serious? That. Hiding under yes. the desk. We had, yeah, we had a bit of that. Yeah. So you yeah. poured PVA over your head and <laughs> or did you have to use emulsion? Seriously? Yeah, yeah, seriously. And just last month in Hawaii, they started retesting their nuclear warning sirens for the first time since the Cold War. You've got to remember, Hawaii is a target, not only because it's a huge military base, but also, of course, it's quite close to countries who may not be entirely friendly uh, to America. Oh, yeah, strategically perfectly Right, and if if you're going to launch some missiles, Hawaii is quite likely to get hit, I would think. And, of course, it's not just that they've started retesting their nuclear warning sirens. We've also seen the United States and North Korean leaders having, you know, trading insults with each other about the bigness of their nuclear buttons. Um, and, well, which is... It's so sad. I know, but, it's you so know, sad. your reaction there was to laugh. And it, it, I know. I know. It, it's because I don't know what else to do. Because it's just so depressing. I think that's it. Yeah. If we imagine getting a message like that on our mobile phones... Our reaction is to be cynical and laugh or think, oh, someone's hacked the system or something like that. Because the other possibility is almost too horrific, isn't it, to contemplate? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I guess we're all used to scams and phishing and spam and all the sorts of nonsense you get, even when you ask not to receive it, that you're just a wash in garbage SMS that what a strange vehicle, it seems to me, to use to tell someone that there's a nuclear bomb coming. On the other hand, if there is one coming, you don't have very long. You, you, you do want to use the fastest, most efficient medium, don't you? Yeah. These messages were sent not by traditional SMS, but by, I think it's called Flash SMS or SMS Zero. I'm trying to remember. But there is a way of sending emergency alerts, and they do this in other American states as well if there's a terror alert. And they can basically blast a message to everybody's mobile phone. And I can't remember the name. It, you can do it in a region. I think they use it. I think they yes. even use it, have used it, in, or do use it in the UK for things like flood warnings, don't they? Right, yeah. The idea is you can get a message quickly to everyone who happens to be in that region. So it's not done by subscription. It's done by where you are, which is obviously more important than if you happen to be visiting Liverpool. Well, hey, I'm just happy we're not relying on Facebook to do it, you know? (laughs) 
Well, as far as I know, it was it was this this message sent to mobile phones, but also automatically appearing on people's TV screens and radio stations. Yeah. Like, we've got a recording actually of the message which went out on radio stations, which was constantly repeating. The U.S. Pacific Command has detected a missile threat to Hawaii. A missile may impact on land or sea within minutes. This is not a drill. If you are indoors, stay indoors. If you are outdoors, seek immediate shelter in a building. Remain indoors well away from windows. If you are driving, pull safely to the side of the road and seek shelter in a building or lay on the floor. We will announce when the threat has ended. This is not a drill. Take immediate action measures. So what went wrong? Well, the first thing which happens, of course, is if you think that a North Korean missile is going to hit your country in 20 minutes, you go into a complete pandemonium and people were running around like headless chickens, which, again, you you kind of think, oh, that's sort of funny. But it's not funny because you could seriously hurt yourself. Thankfully, there don't appear to have been any casualties from people panicking around and hiding places. But there have been some really harrowing stories online as well. There's an article in The Atlantic, stories of people sort of putting their kids in the bath and just sort of praying with them. And the kids are in tears and the parents are in tears. So it sounds as though this was all predicated upon the idea that there was a response that people hadn't really been correctly briefed on, which is a little different from how I understand it is, say, in somewhere like Japan, where they do regular earthquake drills. My understanding is they do them from when you're tiny and you just sort of know what to do when there's an earthquake. I think that's part of the problem. I think the other problem is that in Hawaii, I believe they don't have many underground shelters and they don't tend to have basements. And so Mm. it's like, well, where do you go? You know, when something like this happened, some people didn't panic at all. Um, I saw some videos online of people who were sort of halfway through their round of golf when they got the message and they sort of left a message for loved ones saying, well, I'm going to, if I'm going to die, I'm going to... I'm <laughs> just hitting the 17th hole. I'll be home soon. <laughs> Love and kisses. Exactly. Well, or if I'm not, you'll, you'll know that I was happy because here I was. Because I'm well, not at home. <laughs> so, as Ducker said, this, this was a false alarm. This was a mistake. What a mistake. And what happened was a member of staff at the Hawaiian uh, Emergency Management Agency started their shift... And one of their jobs on this particular shift was to initiate an internal test of the warning system. And they opened the menu, they dragged their mouse down the menu options, and there was one option which said test missile alert, and another one which said missile alert. And guess which one they clicked on. And it was as simple as that. Someone pressed the wrong button and sent the message. It's not really as simple as that, is it? You could have a command line thing where you had to type in a command and put minus, minus, yes, I am very sure indeed. It seems that should it be that easy for an alert to go out? I have a secondary step even with my email, right? If I, if I try to delete 100 emails, are you really sure you want to do Oh, well, that? actually, to, to give them credit, there mm. was an are you really sure message, a dialogue which popped up. Really? Which they went past. They just went, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, maybe the test alert, maybe it says, do you really want to send a test alert? I don't know. And maybe they're just in the habit of going, yeah, yeah, you know, do this all the time. Who knows? Maybe they were just a bit sleepy starting their shift. Who can say? Right. You imagine there's some procedural thing that must have got missed, surely, because you then the next stage is you go and verify that a test alert, not a real mm-hmm. alert, got mm-hmm. received. Yep. And when you look, you'd see that you didn't get a test. You got the real thing. You need you'd know that something had gone wrong. And then presumably you have procedure B, which is the alert. Just kidding. We failed. the. Well, they did a test. 
And yeah. to be honest, the test failed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and they didn't notice the test had failed. And to me, that's more of a problem than maybe there was a GUI that was too easy. Well, duck, duck. You're getting ahead of yourself because you, you have put your finger on it, to, uh, so to speak, um, because they did recognise that the test had failed because it wasn't a test. They'd done the real thing. The problem was that the Hawaiian Emergency Management Agency aren't authorised to send out corrections. They can tell you that a missile is on its way, but they can't tell you that a missile isn't on its way. They can't send a follow-up saying, whoops, ignore that last alert. They're not allowed to until the wording of the correction has been authorised by another agency. So they get they get a marketing team in to huddle, you know, what's the spin we're going to put on this? Well, don't you think we should get this message out quickly? Yes, but we have to word it Your properly. security is important to us. <laughs> Graham, we have faced the, that exact scenario in our work life uh, in situations. So. <laughs> wow. Well, so that... That is why it took them 38 minutes to send out the follow-up message saying that last one was a mistake. So I'm sure they did try and organise it quickly, but of course they were caught off guard. But, you know, as you can see, this wasn't purely a user interface issue. This was a procedural issue. They hadn't thought about what would we do if we sent out a wrong alert. So what they've done to fix this... Because humans do make mistakes and humans will make mistakes in the future. They've put systems in place now so that they can speedily put out a whoopsie. You know, didn't mean that one. Sorry. Well, that's good. Great. So they can do that now without getting authorization if they goof. Additionally, a second person has to approve the sending of the genuine alert now. Um, I don't know if a second person is also required for the test alert or what, but at least a second pair of eyes just to make sure that that's, that's the right thing to do. But I think, you know, we, we shouldn't beat up whoever was responsible for this too much because, you know, people make mistakes and it was an easy mistake to make. And we should use technology to reduce the chance of this. I don't think anyone is beating up the yeah. person. I think people are kind of shocked at the system's uh, lack of fail safes when something does go wrong. Mm. It is a tricky one because I, it's one of those things that you expect to use zero or one times in your life yeah yes and you're kind of hoping it's zero so how do you test a real alert <laughs> yeah i'm sure now there will be people who through this experiencing will be thinking much more about what would they do if this sort of emergency occurred yeah. in terms of their family and their own safety. It's a narrow, narrow silver uh, lining yeah. on this cloud. Though. Also, though, there's this danger the next time people are going to think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like crime wolf, isn't it? That they may be less likely to believe an alert next time or just wait a little bit to see if something else comes through as well. It's, um, it's not good news, but the, I suppose the good news is there wasn't a missile. Uh, exactly. So from that Indeed. point of view, a success, I guess. A yay moment. Hooray! So, Duck, what have you got for us this week? Well, I've got interested all over again. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not a New Year's resolution. It just happened that way in phishing. An ever-increasing number of phishing emails relating to cryptocurrency hanging on words like blockchain yeah. And typically in the past few months, whenever crypto mining, cryptocurrency, blockchain, bitcoins, Monero, any of that stuff has come up mm. in the context of cybercrime, it's either been, oh, somebody hacked such and such a crypto coin exchange and ran off with a load of currency, mm. or somebody broke into your computer and put software there to, to use your electricity to mine coins was sort of, it was always the 
the end rather than yes. the means of the cybercrime. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And in this case, because of the popularity in the news, given the rapid increase in value of things like Bitcoin and Monero, the 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 malware in this case had absolutely nothing to do with crypto mining at all. And the crypto mining was just a sort of believable, interesting story that was the lure that was meant to get you to open attachment or click the link. Rather than naked pictures of Jennifer Lopez or here is the invoice or, you know, thank you for buying these airline tickets, they're saying to you something about cryptocurrency to make you click on an attachment or click on a link? Yes, blockchain verification PDF. Oh, right. Yeah. The interest in this story to me was there. There was a, neither of these things is new on its own, but it was the first time I'd seen two at the same time. Unusually, in this particular campaign, the attachments were .iso files, so disk images, mm. which people would normally associate with Linux distros or a Windows installer download or a ripped CD, or have or, no idea what it means, right? Yeah, and of course, as we know, Windows. And it's not the only operating system, but I'm just pointing my finger at Windows here. Windows really thinks that you don't need to know that a file is called blah, 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 dot ISO, even though it uses the dot ISO extension to guide its own handling of the file. It's not important to you. Don't bother your little head with it. So by default, they suppress extensions. So you think you're opening a PDF. You're actually opening an ISO file, which... Unfortunately, most people sort of associate with, even if they know what it is, with not much to do with malware. Mm. So unlike a zip file where it opens up and it looks like a file that you saved to disk and opened, when you double-click a .iso attachment on Windows, it opens up as if it were a, a drive. So you get a drive letter. Right. So it kind of that visually, it's very different from what you'd expect if you download a file and it's on your desktop and you open it. It looks different in File Explorer. But Duck, do you get a warning when you double click on this attachment? Like, even though you cannot see the extension, does it try and warn you before it launches the ISO? I only did it from a webmail, so I can't answer from, uh, you know, a uh, an installed yeah. standalone email client. I didn't. It just opened up, as far right, as right. I remember. Hmm. So I'm interested as to why online criminals might be using .iso files rather than something like .zip. I would imagine that we've seen so much malware now being distributed by zip that some people are more suspicious of zip files. It's old hat. Exactly. Suddenly suspicious of XE files. I would imagine many companies created their own rules and their own filters and they said, look, we're going to allow certain file types in, but a zip maybe will go through some more thorough testing, if not blocked entirely. But ISO, I suspect many people haven't even thought about. Absolutely. They've just, you've never, probably never seen one. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not something which would commonly be emailed around. I agree with that. We wrote about this particular issue because I, I got the emails, so I was so quite intrigued by them. I wrote about it on Naked Security, and a commenter came back and actually said, you know what? Well, of course we block ISO files. Who'd want an ISO in email? It's kind of pointless. You can just go and download it. But I had to go and check because I couldn't put my hand on my heart. And rem it was so long ago. It was a bridge we'd never thought to cross or revisit and i had to go back and verify that i really had put this in as a rule years and years ago mm. it's the kind of thing you don't really think about it, now crooks have been using iso attachments for ages but it's always almost pretty much been under the radar it is crazy just how many different file formats there are out there either which actors 
archive or container formats or indeed can contain executable code. It's, for instance, I mean, executable code wise, it's things like Windows font files or Windows help files can contain malicious code and things which probably the average chap in the street would never consider could potentially infect their computer. You're right. There are any number of other, if you like, container objects. If you think of MSI, even yes. a doc, a doc X file or an XLS, XLS X file, mm. that's a zip format as well. Mm. Um, but there are lots of other ways in which you can package things. You know, on Macs, you've got DMGs, which are disk images. Mm. And if you go to, to something like HDI util, the hard disk imaging image utility on, on a Mac, I never realized just how many different variants of iso type files that there are that are natively supported by many operating systems so you see this file and you don't realize that when you open it you're basically mounting a new disk and it can have any number of things inside it including more zip files that can have more doc (laughs) files and so on your advice here really is be wary of blockchains as a lure and be wary of attachments that you're not expecting yeah, I guess those are, that's the old, that's the old advice is, you know, w- watch out for attachments you weren't expecting. But of course, a lot of us these days in our job, like if you work in HR or something and you're dealing with CVs, mm. your job is kind of opening unsolicited documents half of the time because yeah. somebody's applying for a job. You don't know who they are. You want to open the file and see if, see what it is. <laughs> so it's very difficult just to say, don't open attachments. The big deal in this is. Yeah, cryptocurrency and blockchain. Wow, got to read that. Don't, don't be fooled. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think the big advice is if you have Windows, open File Explorer now, click on the view menu and say show file extensions. Yes. Yeah. Change the Don't let Windows lie to you about the full name of a file because as we know when the crooks put a double extension in there like dot pdf dot iso or dot pdf dot zip you particularly if they give the file an icon that looks like a pdf even a well-informed user with ex- with the default setting of not showing extensions would have to be forgiven for assuming yeah. that what they were looking at was the real deal yeah 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 good advice and microsoft Please change the default. Oh, well, they're never going to, are they? I mean, it's been so many years. I can still ask, and I can get more and more plaintive. Can you? Go on, then. (laughs) Yeah, do it as plaintively as you can. It wasn't quite plaintive enough. Could you try again? Did I say the word plaintiff with two Fs by mistake? (laughs) (laughs) Was that a Freudian slip? (laughs) Crow, what's your topic for us this week? Well, I want to talk about Google Play Store. So we all know that Google does automated malware scanning of apps submitted to the Play Store. And we also know malicious developers are constantly working to try and beat those security filters. Hang on, Google doesn't have malware anymore, does it? Didn't they <laughs> certainly, redefine certainly it as not in the, potentially not... harmful applications? Not in this beautiful Play Store. Well... Sit tight, sit tight. Who would write malware for Android anyway? <laughs> so imagine the scene, okay, Graham. Graham, I'm going to yes. use you here. Yes, hello. So imagine you're busy making dinner for your son, okay? <laughs> yes, okay. Sandwich. And suddenly he starts freaking out. He starts freaking out. Daddy, 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 my game. There's like a nudie lady on the screen making all this crazy screaming noises. Make it stop. Crazy screaming noises? Are you yeah. talking about what I think you're talking about? Yes. What oh, a dear. nightmare scenario, right? Oh, yeah. And 
And here's how it happened. So 60 gaming apps, mostly aimed at children, were Mm. sitting happily in the Google Play Store waiting to be downloaded. But these apps weren't what they purported to be. Instead of being cute little gaming apps to keep your kids entertained, they were full of nasty surprises. So say hello to what Checkpoint have aptly named the Adult Swine App Collection. Adult Swine? Yep, Adult Swine. (laughs) Malicious App Collection. So this is how it works. After a user installs one of these 60 gaming apps, the first step is report home to the command and control center about the successful installation and also to send data about the infected device and the user. Then it waits to receive instructions on how to operate. Now, according to Checkpoint, um, these malicious gaming apps had three potential attack vectors. All right. Now, one was to display highly inappropriate content, including porn. So you'll see um, I've sent you guys a pic of one of the more mild examples of the ads presented. Um, and there's also a comment from one of the victims. So this is someone that actually downloaded the app. And he says, don't install for your kids. I did, and my son opened it, and a bunch of filthy, hardcore porn pictures popped up. Not good at all. My son is only four, so please, parents, beware. Don't install it. One star. Can you not give no stars? One star. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Apart from the porn. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. Anyway. So, I guess you can't leave a review without it. Without so it so, so the, the idea of these images is to get you to click through to visit a, a hardcore website. That's... That's the exactly end. right. So they're there. They're ads. These are right. ads being popped up during the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, very inappropriate ads for the demographic that mm. these games are going after mm. or purporting to go after. Now, that's just one of the things it can do. The second thing it can do is it can attempt to trick users into installing fake security apps. So this is what we call scareware, where messages are displayed, maybe with a Google banner and a Google layout and Google fonts to tell you that a virus has been detected on your device. And then it recommends that you buy and install this particular security app, which, of course, is not a security app, but another fake app designed to steal something from you. And three, it could try also to dupe the user into paying for premium services. And the way that the apps do this is to display an ad that claims that the user is entitled to win a new iPhone by simply answering four short questions. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this really annoys It's saying me. that to Android users. Yeah. I, you know, loads of legitimate <laughs> companies try and do giveaway competitions and stuff, and this just kills it. Well, at this point, you'd want to switch, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, you would. Yeah, Oh, that's exactly. true. I didn't even think about <laughs> yeah. that. I didn't even think about that, of course. Tired of porn on your Android? Fill in this form. <laughs> just put your social security number in here, and it will all go away. Yeah, so anyway, once they completed filling out these questions, they were asked to enter their phone number. Uh, needed to receive the prize, they said. But of course, that phone number was used to register the user for fraudulent premium services, all at, of course, the victim's expense. Now, here's what I consider the boom moment. You know, this app wasn't just downloaded by a few hundred or a few thousand people. According to Google's Play data, the app's been downloaded like between three and seven million times. Whoa. So in other words, that's like everyone in Trump's beloved Norway downloading the app or everyone in definitely not a shithole El Salvador downloading it. Our researchers keep running into this is that, well, A, we're, the whole business of pop-up ads seems to be much more tolerated in the mobile market, at least in Android, than we than people would tolerate it on the desktop computer because it's kind of the price of free. 
Mm. You know, you have the free app and it has ads and then you pay a modest fee and the ads go away and people sort of deal with that. And Google have tried to say, oh, well, you can't have full screen ads. They can't be too intrusive and they can't be too loud and whatnot. So there are people are kind of used to the idea of ads. That's the A. So mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of an accepted part of the ecosystem, if you like. But B, my understanding is that a lot of apps that where the developers probably aren't rogues are they're saying, well, I need to adify my app. Mm. So you go out and instead of knitting your own ad serving code, you just go out yes. and, da- and choose yep. a library that has the code, sort of like coin mining. You go and you pick the library and you pick the server and you sign up for the service. And so your app looks okay, maybe passes all of Google's entirely automated tests. Exactly. So it looks okay because, oh, it's using this ad framework and ad frameworks are bid and they serve lots of different constituents. Even if the, even if that ad backend is not a bunch of rogues, you're assuming they're completely competent and they won't mix yeah. up four year old children with, with 22 year old males. Mm. I, f- I feel a little bit sorry for the app developers who are trying to make some... Ca- I, don't, I can't believe they were building apps designed for kids and kids' games and thought, I know what we want to do. We want to display some adult ads in the middle of here. It's, it's not as though that's going to drive a large number of people to those adult websites. So they're certainly not going to sign up for those websites, are they? Because And their app's going to get kicked out of the App Store, the Play Store, sorry, and their developer... Their developer certificate or their de- developer ID is the one that's going to to get in trouble, not the library that they've chosen. See, so, I, you know, I find ads in apps really irritating. I don't like them. Uh, they're always well, then just irrelevant. Pay for the app. Well, well, this is this is the point I'm going to come to, Kroll, Is that I think we need to find a better way to monetize apps than advertising. Hey, let's do coin mining. because they're well the problem is that the ads are often irrelevant or they get in the way or they just get in you know of what you're trying to do but of course people aren't prepared to pay one dollar or two dollars which is the cost of i don't know probably less than a coffee costs i have no idea because you don't drink coffee (laughs) well i don't but but to buy an app so so here's here's one idea right because i i would love it if we had an ad free app universe right if there was some other way to do it i accept that people won't necessarily be prepared to buy an app blind so i'd like to see some ability from these app stores to let you trial an app for a while first of all decide if you like it and then you can buy it after 30 days or something if you want to carry on using it but another method which maybe could be used would be why can't an app store say look you can have access to thousands and thousands of apps and what we're going to do is we're going to charge you one one dollar a month or something yeah, the like Netflix that. Model. Yeah. And then the app stores could actually divvy that up with micro payments to the app developers whose apps are actually being downloaded and say, yep. look, this is the way you're going to make your money. We we'll get a chunk of it. Don't worry, Apple. They'll still get their chunk and Google will get their chunk as well. But mm. some of it will be passed on to the app developers. That I think would improve the quality of the apps and mean that they're not festooned with these irritating and sometimes malicious ads as well. You heard it here first, Google. I'm not trying to be an Apple or a Mac or an iOS fanboy here, but we don't seem to have the same degree of ad ab- of abuse 
in Apple's App Store.、Mm. A lot of the problem with Android is people say, "Oh, it's because it's it, it's the price of freedom." You know, you can choose to go off market and you can get your app somewhere else. But this is stuff that's in Google Play. Yeah, that's had millions of downloads, presumably because the app's okay, but it's. It's got into bed. It's got in partnership with this live programming library that's built in, that's serving row, basically malvertising, if you like,、yes. of a different sort. How come? How come this problem is so much worse? Seems to be so much worse on Google Play than it is in the App Store. I just think their walled garden isn't as strong as as Apple's. Well, so you know, does、yeah. the buck stop with Google then? That they make a big play about. Oh, there's no more. We're not calling it malware. They're just potentially harmful applications. We do this great job. You don't need an antivirus. You're all golden. We'll、yeah. look out for you. Yeah. I'm not an iOS app developer, obviously, but I do know there are. Lengthy, lengthy rules and guidelines of what hoops you need to jump through to get your app actually accepted into the store, and there may well be guidelines regarding how adverts are presented. There may even be guidelines I don't know regarding approved ad networks. I don't know if you have to sort of get into bed with、mm. Apple、um, regarding that, but there certainly will be a lot more control, I would imagine, as to how ads are. Actually displayed on the screen much,、mm. much more than、yeah. there would be on Android. But you guys touched on a few points that I agree with. First off, I should say that the games have now been kicked off the Google curb after they were alerted by Checkpoint. But here's my big beef: I haven't seen a sorry we screwed up from Google, and you know what? They should. And if they have, they haven't done it loud enough. After all, Google indeed have the reach to disseminate information pretty broadly, right? So. I don't know. I mean, put it this way: If a supermarket like Tesco sold kids lollipops riddled with maggots, would the store remove them from the shelf and say, "Hey,、mm. thanks for the heads up," or would they, you know, we'll be more careful, or would they be forced to do a very public mea culpa?、Yeah. I just think Google is all free and easy and doesn't really care about it, does it? As long as it's getting your data. Well, there there are a few recommendations、um, that I can put out there. One is. Maybe consider getting your apps from a category called "designed for families" on Google Play. From what I read, they a little bit more vetting goes in to ensure that the apps follow the rules、okay. for that audience. And the other thing is that the of these sixty games, they generally had a kind of they were knockoff games. So, and I hate saying this for the reason you mentioned earlier, Graham. Is you know how do you support new you know legit app developers that come out that have something important to share? But maybe stick to apps that are from well-known and trusted suppliers. Although even that on on Google Play, that can be tricky, can't it? Because、mm. there was a there was that famous case recently where somebody had uploaded an app that that it didn't pretend to be WhatsApp, but it pretended to be WhatsApp,、uh, you know,、uh, like from WhatsApp that would help you with WhatsApp. And the reason it got through and looked legit is they put a I think a non-breaking space character <laughs> at the end of WhatsApp, comma Inc. dot、yeah. as the company name, non-breaking space, something like that.、Mm. Google let it through because it wasn't an exact match, so they figured, okay, that's a that it's obviously it's not WhatsApp,、um, and nobody would possibly be confused, which of course they were. But it seems an irony that they've got this curated part, but it does seem that the curation is kind of、Imperfect. wanting. Yeah, I mean it's such a clever company, Google, right? They've they've built the world's best search engine. They've got driverless cars. They're hoovering up our Wi-Fi credentials. They're taking photos of us left, right, and centre. No doubt they're also planning a manned mission to Mars or something like that. And yet they can't handle a non-breaking space character. 
in an app name without thinking, oh, oh no, what's no. it? You know, what's but, the world coming to? Yeah. What I want to know is if it had been a breaking space, would that have been easier to handle? <laughs> This episode of Smashing Security is sponsored by LastPass. LastPass Enterprise makes password security effortless for your organization. LastPass Enterprise simplifies password management for companies of every size. With the right tools to secure your business with centralized control of employee passwords and applications. But LastPass isn't just for enterprises. It's an equally great solution for business teams, families, and single users. Go to smashingsecurity.com forward slash LastPass to see why LastPass is the trusted enterprise password manager of over 33,000 businesses. Remember CloudBerry? With them, you can back up files, folders, and system images to the cloud storage of your choice. There's no subscription. Plus, you get 30% off the Windows desktop version if you go to smashingsecurity.com forward slash CloudBerry on with the show and welcome back and uh, you join us at our favorite part of the show which we like to call pick of the week pick of the week pick of the week so my pick of the week this week is um a picture actually a picture which was uh, sent to me on twitter on a podcast good right <laughs> yes yeah. so what do you say? this is gonna be fun <laughs> It is the audio podcast, isn't it? I forgot. Um, so a chap, I imagine it's a chap called Ruen Yifeng, uh, who I believe is uh, Chinese, um, posted an image on Twitter. Now, I want you to imagine this, right? Because it's hard to describe a picture on a podcast. You know, when you book a seat on an aeroplane, you get quite often a diagram of where everyone's seat is. And these ones are near the loos. And these, this is near the galley. And this is the aisle. Mm -hmm, and you can choose mm -hmm. where you sit. And there's little drawing, you know, icons of people and all the rest of it. Yeah. Well, it's a bit like that. But it's not an aeroplane which is being conveyed here. Instead, what he has a picture of is a, a visual display showing the occupancy, not of airline seats, but of lavatories. I've got to see this. So... This is an image. I imagine it's at a supermarket or at some large office block or something like that. Um, and there are lots and lots of cubicles. Um, and at the moment, one, two, three, four, five, six of them. I have never seen so many cubicles in the lavatory in my life. So about six of them are occupied and 45. probably how many do you think? <laughs> We've got about 40. 45 loose. Oh, they're 45. Six are occupied and it goes up to from C1 to C45. All right. Oh, it'll be C for cubicle then. Oh, very good. And um, Chinese word must be the same. And if it's a <laughs> green man or green person uh, inside... Well, they're Sheila's in this case. <laughs> if it's a green woman inside the cubicle, then that means presumably you're good to go in that one. And if it's red, it's a beware. And this, of course, is a very helpful Carol, thing. Oh, that was a pun, I suppose. And, <laughs> and we've, we've completely failed to notice it. <laughs> Oh dear. Do you want to try that one again, Graham? I didn't, well, I didn't, wasn't aware I'd made a pun, actually. <laughs> oh, good no, to go. Nor were we in, for a, quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, do go on. So, I think it works like this. You go into the lavatory and you think, oh my goodness, I'm bursting. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. <laughs> right? I've, I've got, I've got, 
I've got something that I need to get out of my body. I need to find either the nearest cubicle without trying all the doors or without checking. But maybe you're trying to evacuate from yourself something which you don't want other people to overhear or maybe to maybe you're concerned about the environmental impact and so you what want to choose a lavatory about? you want to choose Graham's, he's saying it's so you can pick one with a, with lots of empty space on each side i think exactly exactly so so oh, you don't uh, want a neighbor right, you don't you, want a neighbor you don't want a neighbor but also normally with a lavatory where you have back to back lavatories as well then there could be someone behind you and that could also be awkward right so this way you can make sure there's absolutely oh, are you a shy peer <laughs> is that what's going on I, here i am yes um i've got i've i'd like to say i've got plenty to be shy about but i don't have plenty to be shy about i i'm just shy <laughs> we'll take your word for it when it comes to these things i'm just english right and so but anyway i think this is the future and it reminds me rather of what you now see in car parks so we've got a new car park here in oxford the westgate center mm -hmm. which is we talk about that for a long time my issues with the westgate center but the new car park has a little green light over the empty car parking spaces and a red light do you know, Graham, that in, in, in other parts of the world that, that, that technology is actually <laughs> well, I've only ever encountered for about 10 years. Has it? But I'd Oxford. It's not <laughs> rushing into the 20th century. Yeah, here in Oxford. <laughs> well, I've often thought that there should be some sort of traffic light system working on lavatories. I've thought, wouldn't it be terrific? Because the other problem is not just whether a lavatory has been vacated. But the state in which it has been vacated. Oh, I cannot believe this is your pick of the week. No, I, well, all I'm thinking is that you could take this one step further. Wouldn't it be great to have a traffic light system so that when you left a lavatory... What, green, red and brown? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. I was thinking more of aroma rather than what you've left behind. But simply hitting something as you left would maybe start a timer which would then denote this cubicle hasn't been used maybe for a minute right? Which may have been enough for the, anything that you've left behind in the, the atmosphere to dissipate. Whereas you don't want something which is still sort of fairly bright pinkish, for instance. Yeah. So if people want to keep track of this conversation, you have to go to our show notes to see the, the image. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what's missing from this diagram. And that is, it shows you which one's empty. So say you're outside, you're in the food court or something. You mm. think, oh, I'd like to go. I want to go to the mm. gents or in this case, the ladies. And so you're going to which one has got plenty of empty cubicles. So when I get there, I won't be fighting with someone for the last one. <laughs> what I want to see is because I'm clever enough to see the little red or green thing on the door. What I want to see in there is a little blob next to the person that says whether there's paper left oh yes ah. that because there's nothing worse than going in sitting down and realizing ah, yeah. that you're on your own you see this is because you guys you have are to men. shout to the guy next door anyone got spare rolls i i don't know a woman who doesn't what you know doesn't carry uh tissues for this exact scenario oh really yeah that's is one that, of the reasons handbags little, are great I'll, Oh. I want a cleanliness button there. I want a, this, the, the last person flushed correctly, flush operated, and I want a little light that says spare roll. You always oh. got shirt tails as well, I suppose you could use. I noticed that cubicle C13 is larger than the others. So that's kind of handy if you've got a lot of, uh, shopping with you or if you've got young kids. And there's the mysterious C25. Yes, I was wondering about that. That's obviously broken because it's not neither green nor red. No. It's just empty. I, I was thinking it may be a portal to another dimension. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I wonder whether we will see something like this, um, occurring and whether the, the, 
you know, in, in other lavatories around the world. And maybe <laughs> listeners can keep in touch with us and tell us uh, their developments on the lavatory with you, front. With you, with you. You're know, the, the, the one who is lavatory obsessed. I'm fascinated with the paper. You're fascinated with other issues. What worries me most about this diagram is it goes up to, what is it, C45. Mm. And if you ignore the the accessible toilet, which where the entrance is out from the outside, mm. which has its own basin, there are 40, more than 40 cubicles. There are 40 carsies and four sinks. <laughs> and four sinks. Like, I guess really? they're not big on hygiene. Yeah, that's a little worrying. It is a weird idea, though. And I, I wanted to know, you know, like uh, you mentioned the plane thing, Graham. Can you, you know, when you, if you're outside, can you, can you play a joke? Can you click on the person who's in C22 and move them to another cubicle and they just teleport, surprisingly? <laughs> what we don't know because n- none of us can reach, maybe you can reserve. I'm just going to come back cubicle. in five minutes, guys. Maybe you can click on it and it's reserved. Yes, you maybe you can book one. Because maybe that's the mystery of C25, Graham. Some people are... Someone's reserved it, and for two minutes you can go in and it's yours, and your phone unlocks a door and you go in, and <laughs> so you're guaranteed that... So you don't get you don't get disappointment. Some people are remarkably regular. You can sort of set your clock by their oh. movements, can't you? And so if you knew that, oh, after lunch, 2 p.m., chances are I'm likely to want to go to the lavatory... And you could book it. That's that's a fantastic idea. I like well, it. Well, thank you very much for that wonderful pick of the week, Graham. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you. My pleasure. Duck, <laughs> what have you brought us this week? Well, I, I'm I'm feeling a bit guilty because, unlike Graham's, mine is actually entirely connected with computer security. <laughs> so bad. Um, <laughs> Just so yeah, it's bad. Very, very much of a letdown. Uh, my my pick of the week, or how I'm supposed to say it in a funny voice, but I can't bring myself to it, is apparently uh some um law enforcement guys some cops in taiwan had a uh, had a kind of cybercrime quiz and they gave out uh, prizes usb keys and <coughs> unfortunately they had malware on them <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh dear facepalm moment <laughs> yeah yeah Shard of all the things and and um remember graham when you went to the rsa conference all those years ago oh yes and they gave you an uh, a usb I, I was yeah i you, you I, have to put your presentation on yes this. that's right and you had a mac which of course is immune to malware as we know <laughs> and you plugged in the key and found out that you you weren't immune to the malware that they just handed you and uh, had to ask them the difficult question how many other windows laptops has this been in before it reached me <laughs> And you just think, wow, yeah. some things we never learn. No. You know, when you stick a USB key in a device, it can, generally speaking, can get written to as well as read. And if you want to validate one or verify it to be secure and safe and correct before you hand it out, you've got to use a special system that does not auto-mount it and doesn't <laughs> write things onto it. And you'd kind of hope that law enforcement, who are in chain of custody and preserving evidence you'd have thought that that was the last place where and that these, would have happened these were prizes for a cyber security it's quiz awful. Like it's, it's awful <laughs> yeah i think so i remember uh this happened to ibm uh years ago as well didn't it at the, <laughs> at the did. ausert conference didn't 
It did. I was there. I got one of those keys, and in fact, I wiped it, and I carried it around with me for quite some time afterwards as a kind of there but for the grace of God go I warning. So every time I see it, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, like be very careful. And uh, I then I, I ended up sometime later at uh, Black Hat in Vegas, and I, uh, I was a bit late on the evening to the Pony Awards. And as I walked in, the, the hall's full, and they were just announcing that IBM was up for a Pony Award. I can't remember whether they won for that very blunder. <laughs> and I was able to, they didn't have a sample, and I was able to haul this one out of my bag, and it went on display oh, wow. <laughs> for the Pony Awards. So, and I think, was it Aldi once were selling yes. pre-infected computers? Yes. Um, Olympus had pre-infected cameras. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Wow. It's like, if you're going to give somebody something that represents you, it's a very bad idea to have malware on it. (laughs) Yep. 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 (laughs) The the irony makes it double worse in this case, but Mm -hmm. it's bad for anybody. Mm. Crow, what's your pick of the week? (laughs) My pick of the week is Google's art and culture app, which helps you find your very own art doppelganger. It has this cool new feature where apparently you take a selfie and it trolls its databank of paintings to find the closest match. So who 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 do you look like, Carol? <laughs> I haven't unfortunately been able to do it. Why? Because it's not available in the UK yet. So I would love to hear from some of our US listeners about their thoughts on this app. Because I obviously I downloaded <laughs> the app yesterday. I you know I downloaded this app yesterday. I read about this feature. I downloaded the app. And then I couldn't find... Is it an Android app? Um, It's both iOS and Android app. Oh, it's good to know that they've been working on this. You know, it's very important, this sort of art doppelganger feature, rather than looking for non-breaking space characters... Look, I kicked, I, I kicked them. I kicked them in the shins on the first story, and on this one, I'm saying this is kind of cool. Now, even without this feature, this little game that people are playing, uh, the app itself is actually kind of cool. It's full of little gems. You can learn more about arts and culture through online exhibits. There's cool kind of virtual museum explorations, um, virtual tours of historical sites, histories of influential artists, etc. So I actually think it's quite a cute little app. So they match you with an artist, with a celebrity. Do they match you with somebody in a famous painting? No, no, it's just matching you with famous paintings. Watch the video, Doug. Yeah, watch the video. Just click on the link. No, I'm not clicking on the link because I rickrolled you guys yesterday, and I know, I know that I'm, I know that I'm owed one, and I just don't right. do it. You'll have to tell me. <laughs> on that bombshell, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time to wrap up the show. If you like, you can follow us on Twitter at Smashing Security without a G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have the G. You can join us on Facebook at smashingsecurity.com slash Facebook, where we have a Facebook group. Or go and check out the store, where you can buy all kinds of goodies at smashingsecurity.com slash store. Thank you, Duck, for joining us. If people want to follow you online, where's the best place to do that? Nakedsecurity.sophos.com or on Twitter, I am at DuckBlog. And for the rest of you, thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, rate it on Apple Podcasts. It really does help new listeners discover the show. So thanks to everyone who's done that already. Yes. And you can check out our past episodes on our website, smashingsecurity.com as well. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> we're done. I think we're done.
How do I get? How do I exit?